Hi, Spring fans. Welcome to a beautiful podcast. I'm your host, Spring Developer Advocate Josh Long, and this show is all about the real heroes behind Spring and its ecosystem. Hi, Spring fans. Welcome to another installment of a beautiful podcast. How are you this 15th of February, 2024? I'm doing okay. Friends, I'm struck. I'm struck by just how fast time is moving and nothing more marks the pronounced advance of, of time uh, than I think innovation. And you see it all around. I, uh, I, I live in San Francisco. Outside my window, there's a, there are ads uh, for the Apple Vision Pro. Uh, obviously, this is not, I mean, this is, it's an improvement, no doubt. But uh, I am struck by sort of our willing uh, uh, amnesia uh, around these things, right? I, I remember Google Glass when it first came out. I was one of the first 100 people to be offered a chance to buy it. Uh, Google actually took me on a boat out to out by the ferry building in San Francisco in 20, I don't know, 13 or something like that, right? I, I built a spring social binding for it. And um, the other day I took a... Uh, a, a, a Waymo, a self-driving car um, here in San Francisco, you know, and I, and I, I do that a lot now, actually. I take those self-driving cars because they're really quite good. They're very competent, etc. cetera. Uh, quite amazing as well. And then, and then what else? I mean, just, and then the AI thing, the economist had a great article um, uh, sort of talking about how San Francisco is staging a comeback. And never mind, of course, that, you know, they then even said in the article, uh, that the reason the art, there's a comeback is because of the AI, and the AI is actually not new. It's been here longer than almost anywhere, right? It's We've had it for decades, and then some of the key things that are uh, sort of behind the uh, leaps forward of late came from the Bay Area, right? From Stanford, from Berkeley, from the large companies here in the in the space like OpenAI, uh, Meta, and uh, uh, Google, all in the last 10 years, right? But here in the Bay Area, so I think they, uh, you know, they lost a really good opportunity to, to title it uh, as a paraphrase of the great raconteur from the 1990s, Elo Kuje, don't call it a comeback. AI been here for years, but anyway, I, I just a just an amazing, amazing time. And I did a video the other day, my friends, on um, Spring AI, and it's got like 33,000 views already. People are really interested in this stuff. You should check it out. Uh, it's on the Spring Source Dev YouTube channel. Like and subscribe. There's a a, a Spring Tips playlist, and friend underpinning so much of what I talk about, of course, is Java. And I think there's huge leaps and bounds being made there all the time as well. And, and so to talk at more length about some of that, I uh, uh, sat down with my friend Nikolai Parlog on the uh, Java advocacy team over at Oracle whilst we were in uh, uh, in Switzerland at CERN. Yes, that CERN, the home of the Large Hadron Super Collider. Uh, and we talked about the latest and greatest in Java 21, 22, etc. Really fun conversation. I got a lot out of it. Uh, I hope you do as well. And, uh, you know, have a good weekend. Enjoy. See you next time. Live. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Live from, where are we? CERN. CERN. Boxed Days CERN. Yeah. And we were, and uh, yeah, this is, we're in Switzerland. This is the third time today. I think people have heard me say this, but we are at Boxed Days CERN. How's yeah. the show so far? It's good. In fact, like, the, but like, it's but it's at, at the Large Hadron Collider. Like, right. that's even better. Like, right. I mean, screw the talks. So have you been to the tour? You've been to oh, the... yeah, of course. Yeah. So they let you. They apparently this is rare. Too. Uh, Stefan or no, it was Mark. So one of the maybe you. I don't know. Somebody was saying uh, that uh, apparently people work here like ten years and they don't get a chance to go down there. 
Really? Yeah, because only a certain certain few people are classified or whatever to let people to give that tour in the first place. And they got better things. To and do. they've got better things to do. So why would they let <laughs> let them go down? You know? Wow, um, I feel special. And it was really great down there. I gotta oh. say, like if you have the chance, it's like it's so impressive. It's like oh, building. It's a, it's a scientific, like what's called the measurement device that's like twenty five by twenty five by forty five meters. That's yeah. just enormous. Yeah. It's a it's one slack's worth of space. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's so big. Uh, and it, yeah, it, yeah it, it's humbling too because you feel like ants, you know. Like yeah, we're, that's true. And then, then they talk about the beam. It's like a hair's width. Yeah. There's a, a football field worth of <laughs> stuff of, to measure that um, to get it working. Yeah, like oh my god, it's imagine yeah. your observability stack was a million times bigger than your actual app. You know. That's yeah, that's, that's kind of what it's like. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is on. Uh, this is on uh, YouTube. YouTube.com forward slash at coffee software. It's there on the top of the screen, hopefully. Uh, and uh, it's uh, please like and subscribe because. Why not? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, there are <laughs> worse here. Yeah, please. This is on LinkedIn uh, and on twitch.tv forward slash. I think it's Java Josh Long. And it's on my, uh, on, on Twitter X where I'm excreting right now. Uh, and then, uh, and then YouTube. And that's you, you. like you go everywhere. Well, yeah, but I mean, YouTube is way better. Like I, I'm, well, I mean, it's not, it, I mean, I don't know about Twitch. I'm sure Twitch is just as good. I haven't really explored it. I know nothing, but YouTube is, uh, they haven't embraced crazy things just for. Which at this point right, is kind of like a. So rare. <laughs> it's um, an exciting point. My, our USPs, we're not crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so. So anyway, we're here. I'm joined by you, my friend, my uh, Nikolai Parla. Can you introduce yourself? Did I butcher the name? No, that was fine. Okay. Uh, right. Like, so yeah. wait, fine for like a German or fine for anybody else who doesn't know? Right. So my last name is actually Romanian. Right. So like, there's no predefined way to say it correctly. Like Romanian way is more like Perlock. Nobody generally says that. Even my family doesn't say okay. that. Okay. So my family says Parlock. Okay. And so in English, I'm Parlock. Like even I say Parlock when okay. I say my name in English. It's kind of weird. <laughs> so good. And you're uh, you're one of the luminaries over at uh, the big old uh, Oracle Ranch. Absolutely not. The luminaries are the people working on this and creating this stuff, working on OpenJDK, designing the language, fixing all the bugs, improving performance. I'm like I'm like more like a mirror. I'm reflecting right. their lights into the community. I'm here to talk about all that stuff because you know they should be busy fixing it or, or improving it. I'll be talking about yes, but at Oracle right. at the Java Platform Group. Nice. Hey, uh, Alan, don't I wouldn't worry. So far, it looks like it's gonna be great, but I. I can't, I don't know. Just don't worry. You're so far seems okay. You know? Um, okay. So yeah. So Oracle, uh, are they, I, it's, I think it's, it's not hyperbolic to say that the number one contributors to the Java, Yeah. So no, what we care yes. about as Java, yes. um, is, is, is a lot. I mean, open JDK is a community. Obviously there's a lot of people involved, yes. but a lot of the leadership, a lot of the, uh, uh, R&D, a lot of the uh, yeah. momentum certainly springs from yeah. Oracle, right? Yeah, no, that's definitely true, but both parts. Like, so it's definitely true that Oracle drives a lot of this, but it's also just as true that there are a lot of other contributors. Um, and, you know, working in OpenJDK is nothing people usually do in their part-time. So most of the people working in OpenJDK are actually uh, sponsored by a company that, for most people, that's Oracle, but for other people, it's other companies. Sure. And so, yeah, so there's there's a bunch of people working full-time on this, and it's important because, this is, as I said, this is not something you can do part-time. It's too too challenging for that, I would argue. Yeah, no, no. I mean, some people do, right? I mean, wrong, some people do contribute and do minor things, but overall, a lot of the momentum comes from people who have the time and the resources to work on this. And that's um, what you want, is a, yeah. a concerted 
ongoing yes. effort. Uh, are you out of here forever or just to, no, 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 oh yeah, okay. see you. <laughs> we, we're, we're seeing, we're seeing uh, other speakers. Um, so, so yeah, we want that concentrated effort. And I really appreciate, I've, uh, uh, I don't agree with everything Oracle does, but it's, but I will say that the Java <laughs> stewardship has been second to none and I have been grateful for them. And uh, I've said it loud and proud and, and uh, to anybody who listened, I just couldn't be more grateful for uh, what Oracle has done around the Java language and technology. It is phenomenal, right? Yeah. And, uh, and uh, of course, then they hire the best of the best to help uh, espouse it, to bring it, to bring the message. And me, uh, that was so nice of them. <laughs> so, yeah, so I'm really, I'm really glad you're here. So now, today, what did, uh, what, did you give a talk yesterday or today? No, it's going to be right after this, actually. At 3 uh, p.m., oh. I'm going to talk about uh, data-oriented programming in Java 21. Okay. Slash 22. 22. Mostly 21, but a little bit 22, maybe. Let's talk about 21 yes. first, okay? Yeah. Because I think that is... And by the way, oh, for those of you who don't know, um, you're on the... You're at Nipa FX, I think. On right, yeah, Nipa FX, Nikolai Palok, and then just the FX from the Java FX. That's where right. I stole it. I'm not creative. Uh, that's on me on almost all all the platforms I'm active. That's me. Right. Nipa FX. Yeah, and he's got a YouTube channel, or you're on. I the, have a YouTube channel, right? But most of my YouTube output goes onto the Java channel. So YouTube.com/slash/java. Right. That's a great way to stay up to date with all developments in Java, and I do a. Bi-weekly, it it's bi-weekly, weekly. although US English doesn't agree what bi-weekly actually means. So I mean every other week, not two times a week, every other week. Right. There's a video that's mostly done by me. Some occasion, occasionally I uh, got my colleagues to do it if I take a vacation or something crazy like that. Right. And uh, it's always about new developments in OpenGD. And case. it's quite good. I, I've tuned Thank in you. for a lot of them. And uh, can I, can you, uh, so let me see here. It's uh, YouTube, what is it, Java? Yeah, exactly. Okay. So that's YouTube.com. You're like a... One for the uh, okay. so there's there's actually one that talks about all the stuff that's going to happen in uh, in 2024. Is there a playlist? Mm. Oh yeah, there's a playlist. Uh, I want to send these people. Go down, down, down a bit. Actually, it was on landing page two, I think. Uh, this one. Yeah, that's no, that, that's not that's not that one. Mm -hmm. Should be mm -hmm. what, what? Tip Cafe. No, that's, yeah, that's that's one. This one inside yeah, Java newscast. View full playlist. I think okay. oh, that button works too. Okay, friend. So it's called Inside Java. And uh, the Inside Java newscast, right? We have other Inside Java stuff. We have Inside.java as a website. All right. Uh, that's great to observe OpenJDK development as well. We have Inside.java slash podcast. Inside.java slash newscast. If you go there, you forward it to the same playlist. There. The Inside Java. Cafe by, Dave, by, by Jose. We have right. sips of Java, like whatever length of video, whatever depth of explode. Exploration, I was right. to say explosion. <laughs> exploration no, no. Wrong word. of Java features you're looking for, we, we got you covered. And it's great, but I, I have, you did one, because uh, there, there was a whole, you did one right before Java 21 came out. There's a bunch, it did like a whole week or whatever. Right, so that, um, yeah, so that was something that we called Road to 21. That was a series of videos that we made that covers all the changes between 17 and 21. Right, and, and so good. Yeah, so fantastic. We, that's great too, because we put a lot of effort in that, right? Like these regular videos that we do, they all, Follows like a certain certain approach, and we've done this quite a while, so we're kind of used to that. But this was the first time that we, as a team, really said, "Okay, let's do as a, like a series of videos dedicated to a topic as a team. It's where who talks about what and uh, have it look like somewhat similar across the series." And that was a lot of fun, it was a lot of effort, and it worked really well too. People really oh. appreciated that, so that's good. I, I and I and you did uh, also the day of you did this like twenty one hour, twenty four hour. No, so the live super stream. long podcast. That sorry, so the super long live streams. That's what I do for birthday, for Java's oh, birthday, for right. fun. Okay. Um, but uh, that was also, I think, eight hours. So oh, that, that might so seem, like to me that seems almost shortish for a massive live stream. Right. But yeah, it's still long. It's a lot of content. Road to Java. How do I find the one that you did? That wasn't. Was it pattern matching? 
I don't. Yeah, that's. I think that's one. If I took that one, that one was this one. Yeah, this one, friends. You've got to see this one. This one <laughs> broke my brain. Uh, so you're now you're now a developer advocate, advocate. Yeah, well, I'm a huge <laughs> yeah. fan, right? I, I love the community. The computer. Anybody who loves the thing I love, I love too. You know. Um, yeah. And so this video, I remember you even showed video of you setting up the set. In this yeah, one, right. Still, so yeah. Is that so that, that's cool, right? because when you do like a five to ten minute video, if you talk to the camera, maybe you walk around a bit, you show some stuff on screen. That's okay. Right. But for the twenty minute video, I felt like I wanted to do more. I wanted to like keep it more entertaining and have more changes. Oh, and so uh, and it was progressive. So, and you started with code, and you just upgraded and all. Yeah. That. So that was that was a lot of fun. Actually. Oh, well done. A uh, huge, huge deal. So let's talk about that. Virtual. Uh, sorry, that oriented programming. That's what yeah, you're about to talk right, about now. Exactly. Um, what is it? What is why it? is it? Okay. Why is it? Uh, so. Um, lots of things go in there, right? So first we need to cover a few features. So this builds on pattern matching. Pattern matching starts with uh, having a switch that is more expressive than just, you know, switching over a string or an integer or enum and, you know, then having some case tables. Uh, so you can now switch over more complex types. You can say I switch over this arbitrary object. Right. And then I'm saying in case it's uh, this type, in case it's that type, I want to do something different. So what you can do there is you can emulate uh, uh, dynamic dispatch. So dynamic dispatch means you call a method, and then it has to figure out the runtime usually has to figure out what instance or what 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 class basically to pull that method from. So if you call list.add or if you call add on a list, I should say. Right. If it's a linked list, you get a different method execution than if it's an array list. And so this is dynamic dispatch, figuring out which add code I'm executing. So it's it's um, gets called it like data. Dispatch. Oh, we'll come to the data part later. Uh, so the, at first, so this is dynamic dispatch, and dynamic dispatch usually in Java works with inheritance, right? Just right. the example I just Polymorphism. gave you have a list. Exactly, polymorphism. You have a list, add method, and then there are different implementations. And that's fine, I don't know, 50, 60, 80, 90% of the time. But occasionally, you're in a situation where you don't want to put a method like that on your interface. We've got the visitor pattern for that. Like the whole idea of the visitor pattern is to define operations somewhere, have types elsewhere, and then find a way to get to compiler support to make sure that all operations cover all types and all that, which is kind of the, the visitor pattern is the right solution as, as it is, but it's annoying, it's indirect, it's cumbersome. Yeah. And hey, nice. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. He's one of my favorites for sure. And um, so then we, uh, so, but what, what we can do with the switch is the same thing. We can do dynamic dispatch. We can say, okay, switch over this. You could technically say I'm switching over this list. Yeah. And in case it's an array list, I want to call array list .add. And in case it's right. a linked list, I want to call linked list .add. Don't Down do casting. that. Yeah. But you know, that would work. And uh, don't do that, I mean, because you have polymorphism in place for that. But if right. you, you create your own type hierarchy and you don't want to put your method on the interface, that's a way that you can use pattern matching to find the right type and then figure out what to do with that type. Right? So if you have, um, I don't know, like, there's some interface or some 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 super type. Right. Um, let's for example, like let's think about HTML, right? HTML elements. So like it's a certain innumerable number of HTML elements, and say you want to render them, and you don't want to, you could put the render code onto the HTML interface, on the right. element interface, and into every class. But maybe for some reason you don't want to. So then you would have switch over this element, and then you have a case for each of the I don't know gazillion um, different HTML elements. You would say a case. It's a paragraph. Do this. In right. Case it's a and that Table way, that list that exactly, yeah. and that way you you do dispatch. And the, another cool thing you can do there is if those are records, yeah, you can immediately take them apart because you don't actually care about the paragraph. You probably care about you know its ID or the child elements it contains or the, the CSS class name. And so you take it apart into its constituents, and then you can process those immediately. Yeah, and so de that de yeah. not destructuring, but something like that, right? 
Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. yeah no, I think destructuring is a good term. Like the problem with deconstructing, it sounds a little bit like it has to do, like constructing is creating right. an object and deconstructing might sound like garbage collection, no, 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 which yeah. is not. Destructuring, I think, is a good word. Um, right, and so so that so that's that's what pattern matching allows you to do. Okay. And data-oriented programming says, in certain situations, for example, in situations where mostly your system can be seen as a stable entity where just data flows through. Right. So you don't have like this this network of mutable state classes that like like hybrid entities, for example, JPA entities that change state and you know a request comes in, you change state a bit and you all that stuff. You know we don't want to do that much anymore, like stateful applications. But in general, if you can see your they can also be, for example, let's say you have a batch processing system. They could also see that as something. Data comes in, we munch the data a little bit, and then it goes out to, I don't know, database, CSV files. Yeah, yeah. Right. So in those situations where you're focused on data, the idea behind data-oriented programming is, is to actually do exactly that, focus on the data, model data as data with records. If you have something, HTML, again, is a great example, it's clearly defined what paragraph is, what a diff is. Right. Um, use use um, records to model these. Yeah. And then put the operations on them that, that work with that, that you know, want to maybe want to render them or want to do something else. Don't put them onto the data, put them into external systems, uh, meaning like other other types, and then have them receive, in this case, an HTML element, do the switch to figure out what they need to do with a specific element, and then operate on that. So treat data as data, treat right. operations separate from that, really go for immutability. Um, that's an important part. Make sure that your state only, uh, sorry, that your system only represents states that are legal. So right. don't do this Java bean kind of thing where you just create an empty bean, which is like an all, you know, nobody knows what, what kind of state that is. Right. Then call a bunch of setters and hope it eventually works out. Don't. Um, that's a bad idea in general, yeah. I would argue. Yeah, yeah. But specifically with data and programming, the idea is that you only allow legal combinations of values. And records help you a lot with that because they make it very easy to create very precise types. Um, I forgot sealed types all the time. See, like I've like this explanation so far. Yeah. Sealed types allow you to model alternatives. So say your user has, um, you have a contact information for your user. Right. And uh, that could be, it could be an email address, could be a phone number. If you're in Germany, it could be a fax number. Only, only German people get that joke. Um, is, that, <laughs> is it still used? <laughs> I decline to answer. Oh, no. I mean, it's, it's still very common in the United States. I'm just wondering. I got no idea whether it's still actively used, but you find fax numbers. I, I think it is because you still find fax numbers like in the footer of most companies. In like... Right. And it's like you call and it's like, eh. Sometimes you even put it in the phone number and it's actually a fax. I'm like, oh, not again. It happens to me occasionally. You yeah. just scroll over a website, you see something that looks like a phone number. That's it. I'm going to call them. And then you're like, nope, that nope. was fax. Fax. Anyway, so you have this different contact information. And one way to model that with data on your programming would be to have a record for each of these types, which is super simple. A record that is email address is basically a wrapper on a string that right. does all the email address checking, whether it's a proper address. And then you can see the same thing doing for uh, for telephone number and, and for the fax number. And then... They all implement the interface, maybe contact information, which is a sealed interface, meaning it only allows these three kinds. It's not an interface like list where everybody just adds new types. It's an interface that says out of the out of the gate, no, only these three types are permitted. Are permitted, permitted subtypes, right? Okay. And that gives you a lot of safety. That means that this uh, switching over the type becomes safe because the switch over the type will not let you get away with just having covering two out of the three. You need to cover all three. And that means if you add a fourth one, you will get a compiler. A compiler will, so it's exhaustive, right? Exactly. And then um, the compiler will point you to the changes you need to make. Oh, is there, I'm not sure. Is there, are there any plans to introduce something like Kotlin 
data classes copy for records? What does that mean? Oh, that's great. Good question. So the problem with the problem, the issue with records is uh, records are like all the fields are final. Yeah. So if you want to change a field, you can't, which is good. What you want to do usually is you want to create one. a copy of that, which has all the same fields except for the, the one. Right. So, which you right, exactly. So the, mo the way you would write that right now would be that we are often called, sometimes they're called with methods, like yeah. setters and getters. They're sometimes called withers, right. because you often say with title, and you pass the title. And then you get return new, whatever, this dot, right. you get reference all of these fields, except the title goes in the, the, the past title goes in there. Um, and writing those or generating those is terrible. It's more boilerplate. Uh, nobody wants to do that. And so we're probably going to get at some point what's called a with expression, which has been described in a three-year-old no, like white paper by Brian Getz, where he goes, it's called um, the Java something object model, pattern matching and the Java object model, I think. Uh, it's a great article. I can only recommend to read that. Josh is looking at it right now. It's probably going to show up in chat soon. And um, yeah, that's the one. And uh, he describes, he, in there, he describes what he calls with expression. Uh, and I really, really hope that now that the pattern matching basics are done, that we're going to start seeing that we'll progress on that soon. And that specifically means you take a record. And I'm going to try to mirror it for you folks. So uh, you start with a record, you say with, yeah. and then comes a code block. And what it does is it takes apart the record in its into its components, declares a variable for each, and in the code block, you can then reassign some, many, all of those variables. Right. Although all would be kind of pointless. But anyway, you can. And then at the end of the block, it uses those variables to call the record constructor. And so you get a copy of the original record with all the changed values. And the cool, there are a few cool things about this. One of them is that unlike with the with methods, you only have one instance created. It's right. probably good for garbage collection. Right. But even better, only one time there's only one point where the compiler, sorry, where the constructor checks for invariance, which is important because oh. you have a value and sometimes you have restrictions on what is allowed. Maybe if the email address is, if the last name is non-empty, then the email address might also be non-empty. Right. Which is weird, but let's, right. let's, you know, let's go with that. Right. So you have one instance where both are empty and the new instance should have both filled. Okay. But there is no way with individual method calls from one to the other. You need to, step, you need to check both things at the same time. Right. right. So you need to change both things at the same time. Right. Because if you change the one, you fall out of the what the constructor would consider legal. Right. And so that's important as well. So you can have one block that changes everything. It goes back to the constructor. There's really no magic. The width, the width expression is something that, you know, if you wanted, you could almost create like a library solution to that. It would not be that elegant. But because records are have like their effective API gives you um, you can enumerate the components. Exactly, right? you can enumerate the components. You, you know which constructor to call to put them back together. There's no black magic there. It's just a little bit of basic reflection uh, code that most Java developers will be able to understand easily if you point them to it and probably even write pretty soon after that. Right. It's straightforward. It's no magic. It gets all the safeties that the constructor call, that accessor calls would give you. Um, it's really cool. I'm really, really hoping for, to see progress on that this year. Cool. That is cool. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. So I would love to see that too. That's not... That's not Java 22, but let's talk about Java 22. Yes. Java 22 is, what, March? Yes. Oh. And it's already forked. I so know. We, so we talked about the, the Java YouTube channel. Every June and December, we end up having an Inside Java newscast that goes over all the features in the upcoming Java release. And we know that three months in advance because the fork happens three months in advance. So if it's six months release cadence now, and that means that three months before each release, the fork happens. And from that moment on, the, the release fork release branch, you can see like a release branch. The release branch only gets fixes, right? Mm -hmm. So no new features. And that also means, by the way, that half the work that happens in any given year 
happened. Like those doesn't doesn't it doesn't release during that year. It's released next year. Right. And so yeah, so we already know, already know everything that's in 22. And on final features, uh, the biggest one is the foreign function memory API. It's final now. That's great. Then we have the single underscore, which is kind of cool. But and I think was, that's oh, that for, um, unnamed yeah. variables and patterns. Oh, okay. So okay, that's like a, so other languages kind of had that. And I was yes. It's not such a big deal, but you have this gray variable name in yeah. IntelliJ. It's like, oh, come on, leave me alone. Yeah. Like, so you probably like, when you write lambdas, it occasionally happens, right? Someone yeah. wants to have like a consumer, sorry, like a, like a function, like, yeah, but I don't care about the input variable. I don't, I'm not going to use it, but I need to define it. Exactly. So then in the past, what did I do? Like, sometimes I gave it like just a single letter variable name, which yeah. I usually avoid just to punish it. Yeah, exactly. I would call it unused sometimes. Yeah. But here's the thing. Unloved variable name. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> The single underscore used to be a legal variable name up until Java 7. It oh, was right. uh, deprecated in 8 because with Lambdas, it turned out that maybe we need this in the future. And it was disallowed in 9. I didn't catch the deprecation in 8. I understood that it was removed in 9. And the reason would be that for those unused variables, we're going to use that later. And my takeaway in Java 9 was like, hey, but that means the two underscores still works. <laughs> so from that moment on, I used two underscores as variable names for like unused the problem is that two underscores is a regular variable name. It's legal, and that means it exists in scope. And if you if you need a second one, you have to go three underscores, which oh, is no. terrible. But with the single underscore, that is not in scope. It's not a variable that you can refer to, and that means you can have as sing as many single underscores in the same scope as you want. It just means I don't care about this. And that's, that's a, so. Have you ever seen that movie Air Bud? No. Wait, is that the one with the dog who learns to play basketball? Yeah. Why do I know that? And, no, I haven't though. And, and, the, and the reason that whole movie works is there's no there's no rule. Yeah, in basketball exactly. That's why I know it. That dogs can't play basketball, <laughs> yes, yes. and it's ridiculous that we have to have that rule because otherwise people exploit it. You are the guy who puts the dog in the game. Yeah, yeah. right. That, but that's how I know that that specific aspect of the story pops up in discourse occasionally. Um, Right, and so so the single score is kind of helpful in those situations where you just don't want to use something. But there's one explicit, like one point where it becomes really important, and that is we talked earlier about switching over a sealed type, and that that switch needs to be exhausted. It needs to cover all oh, subtypes. I have to, and if I'm using pattern matching, I have to have the variable. Same thing. Right. Switch, yeah. Unsealed type foo or switch foo. Yeah. Space lowercase foo. Right, so the issue is this. If you switch over a sealed type and you have to list all the subtypes, then occasionally you're in a situation where you're saying, well, for these two types, I want to do X and Y, and yeah. the rest is just, I don't want to do anything really. Yeah, but and I have then, to define them. Well, you could use a default branch. And here's the thing. The default branch works and does the right thing. But now you use a compiler. Exactly. Right? That's 100% right. So the problem is, if you use a default branch and you add a new type to the sealed type, the, the, the switch is still exhaustive. The default branch still covers everything. And so the new type silently falls into default, which is, there's a good chance that this might not actually be correct. And so the right way to switch over sealed type is to avoid default branches. But that means that you have to have every case that does like the defaulty thing separately. Yeah. Because you cannot have, you cannot combine in case it's this kind of HTML element or it's that kind of HTML element if you care about this specific variable. But with the underscore, you can. So to wrap this up, you would say, switch over the HTML element in case it's a P, in case it's a diff, and then you go case, I don't know. Did I have span already? Span <laughs> underscore comma, uh, table underscore comma, body underscore comma. So you can list all the other ones with the underscore and right. then the arrow, and then you do the default case, which is still more work than writing out default. Right. But also HTML element maybe is a bad example because there's there like so many of them. Of them yeah. Ideally, a switch to your sealed type does not have 
dozens and dozens of subtypes. Well, but okay, so I can't wait for that. That'll be a quality of life improvement. Um, what do you mean? Why are you using future? I'm already probing 22 EA all day long. <laughs> <laughs> what, you're shipping stuff to production? What kind of developer advocate are you? I know, I know. It's, uh, <laughs> it's all in my mind, really. Um, but no, I, you know, I tend to, is there, whatever, we'll talk about it later. Okay, yeah. so next thing. Um, I know the answer, but I bet you know the answer, and you're probably going to do a much better job. So we can't use record classes to model our domain classes that need inheritance. Are there any plans plans in Java to introduce types similar to records that can be extended? There are no plans. Um, I don't like deep inheritance hierarchies of classes. I would, without regardless of records, generally recommend to use interfaces for that. So I think occasionally you have like the abstract superclass that is like a base implementation of something. I think that's fair enough. But the whole way that you get taught how to use inheritance with like cats and dogs and animals oh. and all that, I think that's actually not a good way to use inheritance. So I, in most, you know, like again, like I gotta say this, I, I, I still write a lot of code, but much of that is none of that is in a big team shipping to production. Right. Some of that ends up in production, but it's like basically just me and other stuff, like a small open source project with like four people. So I cannot speak representative across all software development, Java sure. developer experiences. My experience is I deep hierarchies of classes is not a good idea and it's, it's, avoid, it's very avoidable. And so in that sense, we don't need this. If you need deeper hierarchy across a record, use interface. I would say that for 99% of people who are building apps, you're absolutely right. There's probably very little reason to dig into hierarchies. Although from a framework perspective, we have lots of slightly nuanced separations of concerns mm -hmm. across implementations. It's uh, pretty reasonable to have hierarchies. But again, that's 80% that's of your app doing that. Yeah. Your code should be the last... 10% and the other 10% should just be headroom in case somebody yeah. needs to add more of that first 10%. You know? But also what you're describing are is behavior. Yeah. And that would not be a record anyway. No, 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 no. Right? So this is more about like states, deep state flower. Because in the behavior, it's a little bit different. I can see your point, yeah. But but, but, you're, but but still, I agree with you. For most business apps, in fact, whenever I write production, like app code, when, I, when I'm consuming the the framework or whatever, yeah. uh, again, if, if as long as I don't have to write the framework stuff, which is the whole point of having the framework, yeah. as long as I'm not building my own web server and all that stuff, I very rarely have to, and if, if I do have any kind of uh, polymorphism beyond just one single, single type, it's an interface. Yeah. It'll be an interface plus whatever. And uh, not even there, I, I loathe the idea of having one implementation of an interface, so I probably don't even have the interface, you know? Yeah, um, right, that's also something that uh, if you have control over the code that you're writing right. over, over all the code, like single implementation interfaces are dubious. They're not yeah. always bad, but they're, yeah. like a, they're like a smell. Like yeah. it's important also, I think some, something unrelated to any Java version. When people say something's a code smell or is a red flag, I think it's important to understand that does not mean it needs to be removed. It means to, and you need to stop and think at that point. If you yeah. make the decision, no, but that's the right solution. It's fine. Yeah. Like not everything that smells has to be thrown away. You know, in Switzerland that, you know, cheese, for example. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, um, that's a, I'm going to use that. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we said we all started speaking in it yesterday around like big pots of like fondue, bo yeah. bubbling liquid cheese. So, <laughs> well, we went to we were oh, well, okay, whatever. We'll talk about that later. Another another off-topic uh, conversation. So that's uh, that's interesting. All that's good yeah. stuff. That's a good question. And yeah, personally, I think I would like having uh, a constructor like syntax like records in classes, though, right? Um, oh, you mean like a simple way to say, like, I have like, these three fields, they're all final. I'm yeah, a constructor just that just assigns to them. Give me a two string equals and hash code for those constructor parameters and let me have yeah. a regular class otherwise, you know? 
But those um, kind of boilerplate reductions is not something that OpenJDK is looking into very much. Like if you ask Brian Getz about this, uh, he has very low interest in in solutions that only reduce boilerplate. The interesting thing about records is that yes, they reduce boilerplate, but they do more. They are like a sim they have like meaning. Mean you're saying like this is a transparent carrier for immutable data. It gives you this deconstruction that we mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. the width expression, which automatically reconstructs. You get that not because records reduce boilerplate. You get that because records have a semantic attached to them. And so that semantic is the interesting thing that the rest of Java wants to build on further. And so solutions that only reduce boilerplate, and even though I get as a developer that boilerplate is very annoying, yeah. usually don't... I think Brian often says, and I can't speak for this specific case, they often don't carry their weight, right? You add, you make the language more complex, you make everything means learning is a more complex compiler, runtime, you make complex, you make everything more complex sure. to save people from writing a few lines that the IDE can generate. Well, Java is always looking for a solution that, you know, might do this as a side effect, but would also give you something else. Cool. And so, yeah. I can respect that. So, okay, back to the, that was a little digression. It was, yeah. it was worth doing, but also, Back to the thing, because I'm mindful of time here. Yes. We mentioned the underscore. Yes. Very big feature. Uh, and I'm sure that the scores of engineers working in OpenJDK are all consistently <laughs> focused on that. But I think there's probably something else. Right. So, Java 22, something almost as big as the underscore. Right. You mentioned Project Panama. Uh, well, yeah, the foreign function memory API. Yeah. That yeah. So that is final now. Is that is finally because there was some it's doubt. Final, well, it's final. Six. It's final now in March. It's final yeah. in twenty two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's there was some like when I talked to Brian in uh, Belgium. Yeah, it wasn't one hundred percent, but it looked yeah, like it was. It looked like yeah. And uh, now we know. So for those of you who don't know, um, if you've ever written JNI, rejoice, right? This is a because <laughs> I did a lot of C code. I mean, look at me, I'm balding and. That explains that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I'm actually. I still have hair. I'm actually, I don't know C. What is C plus plus? Can I? By the way, did you see this? Uh, <laughs> Was it a hair joke? Yes, actually. No, not that one. Uh, this one. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> can, can I highlight that or no? Yeah, of course. Oh yeah. I'm always here for jokes about hair. <laughs> So good. Um, right. so, so again, the reason why I still have any, I don't know C, I don't know C++, I'm happier for it. Yeah, yeah, and, and you should be. And uh, in, in order to use JNI, um, oh, hey, we already have tuples. That's called a record, right? Nominal tuples, they're records with a name. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So if you, need, if you need a tuple, if you feel like I need to put these two things together, just create a record. It's a one-liner. Just say yeah. record, string name, comma, path, file, whatever. You have, your record, you have your tuple now, but it has a good name. It's right. type safe. And you also have accessors that make sense. You call it name and don't call first. And right. that's a one-liner. The, the question was, do you plan to add tuples as a native type to Java? You know, no. EG pair, AB, and triplet, ABC. And the answer is no. And that's yeah. straight from Brian's uh, mouth and all that. And then I, I like that because it's the syntax is, it's a, you can do it in a method. You can actually create a record in a method, you know. Yeah, it doesn't have to be public record, or whatever. And that's not new to methods, by the way. You can create classes in a oh, method. Oh yeah, yeah, for Just, years. Like, I, I didn't know that, and yeah. I think it's good that we don't. So uh, don't do this. A record, I think, a, rec a, a, a method, local record, can be okay. Yeah. Uh, specifically, sometimes you have like a stream pipeline. You know that you map, and, and in the map, yeah. you kind of lose like the original object. But sometimes you need the original object to keep around, and so you can create um, a record that will you know contain all the, the exact information that you need. You put that into your little method. Yep. And, and that works. And if you need to pass it outside of that method, you can just put the uh, the, the definition of the record outside the method. One level higher. In the, it could be in the, inside the exactly. class too. Yeah. Or public top level. Okay. So anyway, Project Panama. Yes. To me, 
No J and I. Yeah. Oh, God. So, and also no J and A, which I loved. J and A was dope, but it never got like blessed as part of the thing, you know? Uh, J and I, for those of you who don't know, have you ever wondered what that native keyword is in Java? You, you type in, like, you can, there's some methods in the JDK that are like native. I think the hash code for object is yeah. public native ha int hash code, right? And, um, and that, that, that native is basically saying, hey, Java, before you run this code, look on the link path, not the class path. Look on the operating system link path for this code and find a DLL or .dilib or .so for Linux or .dilib for Mac or DLL for Windows. Find a library that's on the link path and look for a C or C++ header that has a function that is named in tandem with the package and the class and the method here. So you have to export if a public function in a header file in C that lines up with underscores instead of dots and all that uh, with the native function definition. And if you refactor that native function, make sure you recompile, change it, and then recompile your C code. And then if you want to work with data, if you accept a method in that native function, you need to now work with it in terms of the C library in that native code. You can actually get like an, uh, an int in Java, you pass in an int, it becomes a J int in C++, right? And using this JDK uh, JNI library. And, and, and so you can't use native code from Java unless you know how to write native code. Yeah. And this is a real pain in the butt. I know how to write native code, but look at me. I'm, I'm only 27. Look at me, I'm dying here. Uh, I'm lying, I'm, I'm 40 this month. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it just takes a toll on one's health and safety. Imagine how much smarter I could be if I hadn't gone down that rabbit hole for a decade, you know? So uh, all I'm trying to say is uh, uh, every other language has this right. You can just invoke native types from the code. You don't have to write native code to use the native code. Yeah. You, don't have to act, you don't have to write native code glue code. So, uh, and there's two different problems to this. One is like if I write native code, it's very fast, but, uh, but of course, marshalling back and forth data across the native to Java boundary and then managing memory and pinning it down becomes an absolute her Herculean effort. On the other hand, uh, if I do things dynamically, if I use dynamic dispatch to sort of look up a library and enumerated types, which a lot of object operating systems will support, uh, that it's very slow. That's reflective C basically. And it's very hard to do. And uh, yeah, you have to compile your, your libraries in a certain way. So all of this isn't great, but I'd still prefer, I'd, I want some way to tell Java, hey, here's a, a function. Here's the types it has. Here's the uh, the input parameters and out and output, and also here's the memory it's expecting. It's expecting a pointer versus a reference versus whatever, and I want that memory to stay constant through the life of my invocation. Uh, and all that stuff is sort of anathema to what Java does. Java has a garbage yeah, collector. Exactly. You can't control lifetimes, uh, and uh, and you certainly can't think about like there's no mapping. There was no mapping for things like a struct, right? Yeah. In, in C, right? How do you take that and convert it into a Java thing? It just becomes painful. So now. Project Panama, which is like a, I think it's the most previewed JEP ever, right? Like, uh, yeah, it took a while. Six, so seven years, what, six, seven different revisions now, or whatever. Right. So they start with the foreign memory API and incubation, I think, yeah. and then that's our preview, and then we can we fold it in. I'm pretty sure. Not sure. I'm not sure it's that order or the other way around. The foreign function. So foreign memory is managing data off heap. Uh, and then foreign function is calling C code, and right. that goes hand in hand for the reason Josh just explained. Um, you don't need to use if you use foreign foreign uh, memory, for example. You don't need to also use foreign functions. But if you use foreign functions, you very often have to the, the stuff you pass usually lives off heap, 
and the stuff you get back usually is off heap. So that's why they belong together. There's like a lot of overlap between those and it's good if the APIs play well with one another. And that was previewed for quite a while then merged into one. And that's interesting because sometimes people feel like uh, the Java versions that get long-term support, they get some kind of special treatment, uh, which is categorically false. Like right. I, I within OpenJDK, every release, every major release is treated the same way. And uh, some of those, sometimes people say like, ah, for a major version, you want to rush to finish all the, the, the previews, which for fact, memory API proves wrong right. because it was like on the cusp of being done in 21, right. but the decision was made. We want to make sure, we want to give it one more round of preview. We want to make sure that the last changes we made actually landed well. And so it's final now in 22. And so everybody out there who deals with native code can go ahead and enjoy that. But also everybody like me who doesn't, also gets benefits, the indirect benefits, right? So the library, native code. Yeah, well, maybe, but even if I don't, like the library that I'm using that depends on native code, maybe now I'll spend less time on uh, on following the development of the underlying C library. So for example, one of the reasons why Java is, one of the not few reasons why Java is not that great in machine learning and AI is that most of those, uh, most of the core of that is written in C and C++. And it's tougher for Java-based libraries to follow that closely, the development if the underlying library develops a lot, right. because it's a lot of effort to keep the glue code and everything going. And that with MAPI will, will, will simplify that a lot. And that will hopefully lead to a situation that you know your favorite project that deals with native code can spend less time on the dealing with native code and more time on whatever else they build around it. Not to mention less time, like if you're not using JNI, you don't have to write native code. It's one thing to... Yeah integrate with native code to call it in a useful way, which is what we're talking about here. Yeah. But if I have to write my own headers, my own implementations of those headers yeah. uh, in C and keep a up-to-date uh, C yeah. tool chain around, my goodness, that stuff changes all the time yeah. too. Yeah, like make, make it easier for noobs like me to experiment yeah. with that and be exactly. like, maybe I can give it a try now. Yeah. And it's good. You know, it'll, good it'll probably never happen, but my my dream is one day maybe we have like a spring module for some, like what if, what if we have like a FFM te template that uses libAV codec or something. Okay. You know, and, and that was, and we extracted that from people using Project Panama. It'll never happen, but I, oh, there are possibilities here now because <laughs> libAV codec is amazing. You know, like YouTube is built on that, right? Like Spotify, everything is using libAV codec somewhere. Oh, uh, now I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay, a library yeah, behind yeah. FFmpeg, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, FFmpeg is a command line tool that talks to that DLL. Yeah. Um, now we could talk to it from Java, you know? Suddenly, all, I mean, we have the, uh, we have a, uh, what is that library for? We have the lib Bluetooth and we also have the JavaFX media player stuff. Yeah, that was there. And there's also the image IO stuff, but come on. FFmpeg is a, a mile ahead of everything we've got. Yeah, so it's, it's, uh, it, uses, it opens up easier uh, interaction with, with, with native code, operating oh, system yeah. specific code. And also, uh, as I said earlier, it's not just, it's also easier to follow along, right? Because that's, that's a problem. Like if you sit down, you have this problem, you really want to solve it, you might be willing to invest that time, but are you willing to are you willing to maintain that solution for the next years? Yeah. And then it's that's often why then these projects even lack maintenance or just stay on all versions because the constant maintenance work is just higher than it technically. Well, it used it needed to be that high. Oh, sorry, it right. was that high. Right. The work needed to be done in the past, and hopefully the overhead is lower. So you know, again, people can spend more time on other things. We're mindful of time, but when right, my talk starts in like let's see, seventeen minutes. So I got a little bit. So my. The thought experiment I like to engage in, uh, perhaps errantly, is what would it have taken to uh, to persuade the developers in the room in 2011 or whatever it was um, to use Java instead of Go for building Kubernetes? 
Okay. <laughs> now, now I think go routines, you got virtual threads, yeah. right? Uh, Project Panama, there's no reason I couldn't interrupt with the kernel and C groups and, uh, you know, the things that the, the atoms that build up Docker and all that mm -hmm. stuff and go and, and, and see that is now available to me in Project Panama. Right. Uh, and then, of course, you've got Project Laden. In the meantime, for the moment, you've got you've also got things like check co coordinated re restored checkpoint yep. and maybe maybe that other thing with the G. Uh, it just made it much broader. Yeah, yeah, you got VM. I mean, those things give me the small form factor, lightning fast performance. Yeah. I there's no, I would never need Go today if I were building a Kubernetes from today. Yeah. We're not going to build Kubernetes in Java, okay? Just don't stop it. But I'm just saying, if we had been there in the room 15 years ago, you know, yeah, who, who knows? knows? Maybe. Maybe the world would be different today if they had all these things here. It's amazing. Yeah. It's an amazing time to be a Java developer. Yeah. So there's a lot of lenses through which you can see these large projects. Um, one lens is you compare Java to other languages and, uh, you know, syntax aside, uh, other languages, like for example, Go routines in Go was like, that was like a clear advantage, go ahead over, over, over Java that went way beyond just like, I like the syntax worse or right. better. And Loom fixed that. Yeah. And made it, if nothing else, they made it close enough so that distinction doesn't matter anymore. Um, and that, that, that's important. Right? So you can see many of these projects through this lens of, Compared to some other language that is better in that way, Java has like lags behind a bit. Mm -hmm. And we, if we fix this, it's going to be even. And the cool thing is, if you pick the strongest language in each of these fields, right. and Java has the uh, Java wants to compete with the strongest language in each field, that means even if it's even if it's just like second place by a small margin in every field, that yeah. still means that it's in the game it's that's yeah but, but also like the best language in each field is not always the same language right? right if it has like the um if it has virtual threads like go routines like go um but it has, still has like the stellar tool support and the reflection support uh, the reflective right. um approaches and observability approach that java has but we'll also have like the small startup uh, the short startup time it just if it's if it's just it doesn't need to be the best in all regions it just right. needs to be really really good good enough that all the other benefits that java has and the fact that it's so good across the board oh. Um, beats other stuff. And I think yeah. that's really um, a goal to keep Java being a universal programming language that can compete. It's, or at least doesn't have to hype in any other language in any other space. Nope. It's, yeah. it, and I'll, I'll go one further. I'll, go, I'll do one better on the uh, virtual threads thing. I think Go is the only language to have gotten this right before because mm -hmm. uh, all the async await stuff kind of like it's a whole other kill of fish. It never worked for me. Yeah. Go is the only one that got it right. But even there, they had the benefit of starting from zero yeah. and doing it only the one way. What Java did is even more impressive. Yeah, Lou is crazy. Like being able to retrofit that retrofit. into an existing oh. system, that's that's, that's so Java's, Java's got the best implementation, yeah. bar none. The, if you want to do this, th there's no better way to, than, than Java. And if you, you know, okay, that's part one. Um, last question, I guess here. Petro, in for the win. Any idea when we can expect, speaking of virtual threads. Yeah, structured and currency and scope values are still in preview in 22. My, my prediction, my personal prediction has been that this will be final in the year 2024. But as I mentioned earlier, like second half of this year's work doesn't show up before 2025. So I think we can definitely say, oh, not definitely. I can definitely predict and I might be wrong. That's only on me. Don't sue Oracle. Don't sue me either. <laughs> Just sue nobody. Just don't do sue. Yeah. Um, is that... Uh, I, I'm very, very confident that uh, 23, Java 23 or Java 24 will see finalized structured concurrency and scope values. Um, talk about 22 like quickly because we just like other previews, structured concurrency and scope values. We have string templates in preview. Oh, uh, yeah. We also made progress on making Java easier for beginners, but we're going to carve out that topic for another time. 
Um, G1 has region pinning now, which is good, I guess. Wait, I don't know. G1 has region pinning now. Oh, cool. Which is a thing, apparently. That's finally in 22. And there's more previews, probably I'm forgetting some. Uh, Java 22 is big on previews again. It was, and again, there was an accident, but it was like a kind of lucky accident. 21 happened to finalize a bunch of stuff that was in preview pretty long. And then 22 basically, you know, resells a bit of the pipeline. Uh, so that's why they're only like underscore and FFM API that are really like very interesting surface level features that are now being final. But, the FFM, but again, don't sleep on that FFM API. That's, <laughs> that's, I've, it's been like almost friends 10 years. Don't let friends write native code. No, yeah, and it's been like, it's gotta at least be five years, but it's probably 10 years since I've been hearing about native yeah. project Panama, whatever. I mean, it's just forever and it's here. It's finally here. Yeah. Virtual threads has been around. They've been having a, I mean, you know, that's a on and off, on again, off again discussion for the last 30 years almost, yeah. you know, but it's, it, that's, <laughs> that's here last, last year. Yeah. Now Project Panama, oh my yeah. goodness. Now Panama can go back to sleeping on the Vector API. <laughs> in case you're waiting for the Vector API, it's, 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 in, it's in a weird state. It's basically done. It's basically production ready. It's all good, but it might change in the future. It wants to change when Valhalla comes along and it's waiting for that. What's Valhalla now? Project Valhalla value types, mm -hmm. generic specialization. That's all the time we have. But yeah. unfortunately, so that means the Vector API is in this limbo state where it's, it, like, it, it, is, it is done by all intents and purposes, except the API might change on the surface level. And so if you now start piling like two years worth of code on it, you might have to rewrite all of that. Nobody wants that, which is why it's kept in incubation. But if you're willing to do that, if you're willing to rewrite every line of code that touches the Vector API, you can use it. It's stable, it's good, it does its thing. Uh, if you caught up on the 1 billion row challenge by Gunnar Molling, uh, some of the highest performing solutions do uh, use the Vector API. Yeah, and It's we, good stuff. He was on the show yesterday on this very channel. So if you really well, good, good channel. Yeah, I wanted you to join. <laughs> I wanted you to join the show yesterday too, but it's, you know, you're a busy guy. But uh, but yeah, he was on the show yesterday, and it was good. Uh, good. We talked about just that. Okay, I got one. Thanks, everybody. It was fun. Bye. Bye. Thanks. By the way, I appreciate you. Sure. Can I be a talk? A Beautiful Podcast is produced by me, Josh Long. I do these podcasts because I believe that everything we do in software is for and made better by people. I want to hear from you. I'm josh at joshlong.com by email or at S-T-A-R-B-U-X-M-A-N on Twitter, where, of course, my direct messages are wide open. Do you have guest ideas, topic suggestions, feedback? Don't hesitate to reach out. If you like the show, then please consider rating it on iTunes and leaving a review, uh, as it really helps the show. I sampled music from Steve Combs's Them from Morning and Springtime and Steve Combs's Small Victory, both of which are licensed under a Creative Commons license. I'm trying to hire production assistants to make the production of this podcast easier. I want to make sure that we can add things like show notes and transcripts and, and just generally do more. If you would like to advertise on the show, then please reach out to me. Uh, and if you can't uh, or don't want to advertise but would like to otherwise support the show, then please consider supporting me at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Josh Long for as low as $4 a month. Thanks again. No harm came to any seasons in the making of this podcast.